They hate what you represent. I don't represent nothing but Frank Lucas. You sure? Black businessman like you? You represent progress. The kind of progress that's gonna see them lose a lot of money. With you out of the way, everything can return to normal. My man. <laughs> you know what normal is to me, Richie? I ain't seen normal since I was six years old. Normal is seeing the police ride up to my house, dragging my little 12-year-old cousin out and tying him to a pole, shoving a shotgun in his mouth so hard they bust his teeth, then they bust two shotgun shells in his head and knock his fucking head off. That's what normal is to me. Well, fuck about no police then I'm gonna fuck about no police now shit you know what you can do whatever you want to do so it don't mean nothing to me for you to show up tomorrow morning with your head blown off you understand what I'm saying yeah Frank get in line that one stretches around the block too all right what you want to do What you want me to do, snitch, huh? I know you don't want to give up no cops. What you want? You want gangsters? Pick one. Jew gangsters, Mick gangsters, guineas. They've been bleeding Harlem dry since they got off the boat, Richie. I don't give a fuck about no crime figures. You can have them. I'll take them, too. You'll, t you'll take them, too? <laughs> no, you didn't. You talking about police? You want police? You want your own kind? They're not my kind. They're in business with you, Frank. They ain't my kind. They ain't my kind like the Italians and not yours, all right? Huh? What can you promise me, Richie? I can promise you. You lie about one name, you'll never get out of prison. You lie about one dollar, one offshore account, you'll never get out of prison. Now you can live life rich in jail for the rest of your born days, or be poor outside for some of them. That's what I can promise you. I want them cops, Richie. That's what I want, I want them cops. I took that money out of my pockets. Michael Govier and 
Travis Roy coming to a speaker near you right now. Everybody, it's your favorite movie podcast, the Cinnamon Iron Podcast, brought to you by someone. Maybe so. I don't know. Ricola. Either Ricola. Anyways, it's great to be aboard. We're going to be doing American Gangster tonight. Does it hold up? The 2007 film directed by Ridley Scott, starring Denzel Washington in a powerhouse performance. Ah, uh, before we get to that. We got a lot of ground to cover. We got to talk about our quarantine viewing picks. We also have to remind you that five-star review on Apple Podcasts would be wonderful. Always welcome the five-star review, guys. Thanks. Grab your friends' phones. Grab your kids' phones. Take your kids' phones to them. Go into their iTunes, their Apple Podcasts, and just put a review in real quick. It's a great way for us to grow our brand. <laughs> right, Travis? Yeah, yeah. Um, commit identity fraud. And by all means, just plaster the airwaves or whatever the fuck they are with uh spreading the gospel of cinema nine we, just follow following with us would be nice if click the follow button that'd be cool that's, a, that's, all, my man. that's all we ask my man <laughs> i'll tell you this travis well, i learned from some pros in the game here in the podcast biz that's what they really do he told this one guy told me he'd go to parties that he'd be dragged to birthday parties even and he'd grab every phone at the party and just type a review for his podcast to expand the brand. And that was not the only time I heard that. I've heard that from several people. I'm going to be honest with you. That sounds really empty to me. It sounds just like empty. Like we do this because it's fun. We're not like, you know, like we enjoy it. It's our hobby. If, if, if millions of people are listening, if five people are listening, we're going to pretty much be the same either way. Like, I mean, I, you know, as much as we appreciate and want the support, I can't imagine like being that fucking guy at a party being like, yeah, let me, let me borrow your phone for a minute. Um, all that, all that I have going for me is my podcast. <laughs> hey, well, you know, and reason will prevail. Reason will prevail. Reason doesn't prevail. Sometimes. Eric Brantrum, Griffith, Indiana. How you been, buddy? I'm good. Uh, I, I totally support the idea. Grab your, grab everyone, you know, phone, check out <laughs> first, check out their search history to see what the real story is. Mm. And then, Give us a five-star review, okay? It's not. It, it doesn't have to be a vacuous situation. Support this channel. Do whatever is possible. Break the law if you have to. <laughs> yeah. See, now we're talking, dude. I like your style. Here on the 7 Night Podcast, we are always going to stay true to who we are. Sure, we've probably changed a few things over 71-plus episodes, but we are still the same people, Travis. And I think that's what's cool about our show. We're never going to change. Maybe that's bad. I, I mean, growth is healthy. There's nothing I mean, wrong with a little growth. But. This doesn't seem like the episode to lean into our criminality. Yeah, it certainly does. We will definitely talk <laughs> about crime and the truth in crime and movies that try to represent true stories. We're going to talk about that, too, later in the show when we cover American Gangster. Next week, by the way, we have a guest. We have a very special guest. His name so is special. Aaron. He spells yeah. it E-R-O-N, though, so it's not like the classic A-A-Ron. It's just E-Ron. It's different. But it's yeah, when you th yeah, when you think of him, visualize those letters instead of the other letters. <laughs> you got to. Yeah. I've got to, mister. I believe Aaron will be a great guest. He's a funny dude. He's got a great sense of humor, and he doesn't mince words. So he's going to tell like it is. And at the end of the show, I will reveal the official movie. I have the selection in an envelope. Price Waterhouse Cooper has delivered the envelope live. 
right here on the table. And at the end of the show, I will reveal it. And is there an eighty percent chance that it's a horror film of some type? Absolutely, probably. probably. Yeah. And regular reviewers actually have been interacting with Aaron for some time, as he often appears as Chud Pud in the comments and right. uh, <laughs> sending us letters and whatnot, which we appreciate. And talked about the movie Chud itself last week. <laughs> yes, so, he did. That's like full circle. I don't know how we'll ever top that. That was a special moment where Chud Pud talked about Chud. Well, maybe we'll uh, come on and talk about his pud. Well, that, if he, he could put it all together, then maybe we'll just close down the podcast. After. That's it. <laughs> we pud. Full circle. We, so I was looking to see if we got any emails recently, and uh, I don't believe we have. There's a lot of bullshit emails that have come through, but nobody has checked in recently. So if you still want to email the show, cinnamon9pod at protonmail.com is the easy way to do it. And that's it. All right, quarantine viewing picks. Travis Roy, you're on the board as always first. You are the center square taking control here. You are the Charles Nelson Riley of this show. <laughs> can, can I be the Rip Taylor? <laughs> uh, let's see. I watched some movies. I once again watched 12 Years a Slave with my students. So that's. Right. Oh, there it is. Well, I'm getting like twice a year now. So yep. that's, that's intense. Hey, we um, have the uh, star of that movie in our movie today. Right. Yes, yes, we do. Chiwetel Ejiofor makes a good turn in American Gangster. Uh, I watched this movie called Leave No Trace from 2018. This was uh, director Deborah Granick's eventual follow-up to Winter's Bone. Uh, it stars oh. Ben Foster. Wow. And uh, it has a lot of similar themes as both Winter Bone and I'd say Nomadland. Um, it's very much about, it's about like a Vietnam, well, not, excuse me, not a Vietnam veteran, but a, like, a, I think he's an Afghanistan war and Iraq war veteran. And he just like, can't live in society, society anymore. So he's living in the woods with his like 13 year old daughter. And, and it's very much about how society won't really let you leave it. It won't let you not be a part of it. Um, it was pretty good. It was a little slow. Um, but if you liked winner's bone, I'd, I'd recommend leave no trace. And, and if you like Ben Foster, I mean, he's it's like a starring role pretty much. Wow. And that's always, that's always great. Right. Absolutely fucking a uh i made the grievous error of watching 2017's hangman with al pacino <laughs> carl urban come on oh man this is like the kind of movie like an adaptation that they're talking about they're like making fun like literally it's a guy who like hangs people and like carves letters <laughs> in them and shit. oh man you ever start a movie and like with like less than like a minute or two in you're like ah, it's not too late i could hit eject here i could yeah. top out and then like you just stay there anyways knowing like right off the bat that this is gonna fucking suck but you're like you still sit there for the full hour and a half. I remember the, the trailer, and I'm like, this is like the three. Like it, it should be a joke in like a comedy movie. Exactly what I was thinking of is the fucking three from adaptation. Just like this is so. This, it's like I gotta watch the snowman after this. Like oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then uh, I didn't really watch many movies. I watched American Gangster, of course, and I guess the one I will. The one that I watched this this week that left the biggest impression on me was a pretty interesting film from 2012. I forget the director's name. Someone I hadn't heard of, but the film's called uh, Ber uh, Barbarian Sound Studio with Toby Jones. You heard of this oh, movie? No. It's a really fascinating movie. It's a period piece. I think it's set like in the early 80s, maybe late 70s. And it all takes place, or virtually all of it takes place in the sound studio in, studio in Italy where like this English sound designer is uh, has been hired by an, an Italian giallo filmmaker. So he's like, he's just like dealing with like, he's just watching like the most grotesque horror all the time and like being drawn 
more and more into this like story and it's like disturbing him more and more and it's very interesting as like someone who like is interested in filmmaking because there's all this foley going on and like just a lot of like like how the sausage is made kind of like film you know what I mean? it's kind of a meta film because you're like watching it it's about sound being designed for a film um but also there's like this really like it's not quite a horror element but it's very creepy and like um dreamlike so i i enjoyed barbarian sound studio it was slow moving but it stuck with me oh barbarian barbarian b-e-r like berber like a berber carpet i guess carpet b-e-r-b-e-r-i-a-n barbarian sound studio so shitty carpeted sound studio no it's like the area i think it's part like the region what the fuck wow That's it. Hmm. So that's what I want. Kind of a slim wow. week for Travis. Busy week. Wow. Busy week in life. He's been talking a lot. So. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of talking. Everybody's talking. <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric Branstrom in Griffith, Indiana. I'm sure you watched a lot of movies because it's that time of season where you stay indoors and you watch movies. Well, since I'm back to teaching now, I've been trimmed down myself, but I've been out there. I mean, so I, I went back and, and started watching more of Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. I took a brief hiatus, but I am back. We've got some fantastic updates, man. Like I, I encourage everyone to go back. It's it's such a fun show, especially now that it's been so long. Like every segment, there's an update, so you have the satisfaction. Yeah, like fun. last night, this sweet old lady from Tupelo, Mississippi, got screwed out of over five hundred thousand dollars by the, this asshole who committed <laughs> fraud. They caught his ass, and uh, I can happily report that he is now dead and burning in hell. Um, wait, 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 wait. So you watch old school shows? Yeah, I watch uh, the original on Unsolved Mysteries on uh, Amazon Prime with Robert Oh, Stack. oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's been a lot of fun. I can't stop. So have you seen them all? I mean, I'm on season four, and there's like 50 seasons before <laughs> Dennis Farina takes over as host. and then I'm gonna, uh, Dennis Farina took that. over? That yeah. happened? I didn't know that. Yeah, I'll be no out after shit. that. No shit! And he's yeah. dead. Yeah, they're <laughs> both true. dead. That's true. Well, yeah, yeah. I just—that's amazing. I, I really didn't know that. That's fascinating. There it is. Yep. Good night. <laughs> Big like Phil Collins energy yep. coming with these drums. A lot of fraud. A lot of fraud last night. <laughs> yeah, there's always a lot of there's a lot of trouble, yeah, a lot, mistakes. A lot of so. fraud, like bad checks. <laughs> oh, bad checks. It's like, either, yeah. it's like either ghosts or bad checks. That's like the variety. I feel like there's major Halloween vibes here too. Like I think oh, yeah, I think absolutely. there's some John Carpenter theft happening at this yeah. point. This is a great score. Yeah, it is. It's catchy and memorable. Think about this song and someone trying to pass a bad check at a gas station. Will they catch him? <laughs> Did Peter Gabriel write this? <laughs> I believe he's about to start singing in German. Yeah, <laughs> oh, okay, I just wanted to play that. I can't get enough of that. It's it's a great song. It's fun. Reminds me of 1989, absolutely man. Saturday night, yep. like in my dad's house, and I'm trying to play yep. video games, and they're like watching Murder She Wrote, Columbo, yep. this show all night long on network television. Can yeah, you play I do. The, uh, Rescue 911 theme now. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I don't have that one. Bill Shatner, kidding me? Yeah, I'll, I'll have to get that one. Sorry, Travis. All right, work on that. For I had me. some of the cringiest moments in my viewing history recently. So I, I started watching Saved by the Bell again, like the first season. Um, wait, 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 like, wait! Like Miss Bliss show or the actual Save by the Bell? Not Good Morning, Miss Bliss, but the first episode of Save by the Bell. Okay, it, it, it's cringeworthy. Like it's no fun, shit. but but literally, 
the very first like episode that I watched, you had <laughs> let's see, how do I how do I word this? You had Jess, <laughs> oh boy. you had was it Jesse Elizabeth Berkeley? Yeah. Like she spent the entire episode trying to like make up for her history as a white person to Lisa and like trying to make up for the horrific uh era of slavery. It, it was it was unbelievable to sit there and watch. She's like, "Can I like, can I buy you lunch? Can I like do this?" And Lisa's like, "Leave me the hell alone." It was like, "How how did they how did they even film this? How did this get past the script stage?" Zach Morris is trash. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't know if this show holds up because that that alone is horrible. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna come out and just say the show was never good. I didn't like it when I was a kid. Of course kid. it wasn't. I never it liked good. it. I never understood people's fascination with it. I was just like, this is just, fucking corny trash. Who does this speak to? And apparently, a ton of fucking people. I, I never, I you know, I just never got it. Zach Morris is trash. We've learned. We've learned that Zach Morris is trash too. That so it just got worse. In all 10 episodes I watched, there was like a, a senior assembly at the end of the episode, and there was like 12 people there. So I don't know what the <laughs> fuck is going on at Bayside High. It's I don't like know. Four graduation Zach Morris break. is trash. It should have been all about Screech. He was the only relatable character. Oh, man. Well, Saved by no, the Bell is not a good show, Travis. It's clearly not a good show. but I know. It controversial is, uh, opinion. I'm coming out in the year 2021. Controversial the people, the, they were handsome. That's all it was. They were handsome people, good-looking people, and people all want deep down. They're like, oh, I want to be like that. I wish it. They're my friends. I'm not cool, and they're cool. I think they're my It's just like a. there's a lot of weird shit going on there if you really want to start breaking I'll it down. Yeah, not healthy. Not. Very I unhealthy. I don't want to break it down. No, yeah, let's break not. it down next week. Let's Saved not. by the Bell. Is there, there is a movie. There was like a Saved by the Bell summer movie. I think maybe I can maybe bring that to the table. Is that legal? I mean, no are we doing could. television movies? Are television movies allowed? I Network? Why not? <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, come on. We're, we're opening a Pandora's <laughs> box to terrible. Network television movies from the 80s, 90s. Oh, it I get mean, real bad. there was a moment we almost did the um, Babes in Toyland remake from Babes like 19, yeah, 1985 <gasps> or whatever it was. So, I mean, I think Daryl oh, was made for TV. Daryl's a classic. There's a lot well, of HBO was Disney, films, though. That's like Disney Channel. That's Mr. not Boogity? Come on, that's still television. Um, there was a Bundy movie that was made for TV. It's pretty terrible with Mark Harmon. Yeah, I remember I can't that. Think of a, stranger. H- going Clear? I don't know. I'm trying to think of HBO films. There's a bunch See, of those. That's though. different. That's oh, different. Yeah. That's- yeah. So. Different realm, maybe. We well, do. It's, it's not do we do documentaries yeah. too? We don't do documentaries, I, right? Yeah, I keep thinking. I'm trying to think of a good one to bring on, but I just can't nail it. Yeah. But we don't do docs, right? Have we made like an unspoken rule here that we don't do documentaries? I don't think it's. I mean, you know, I'm going to bring it on an animated film at some point. So if yeah. you want to bring in a doc, I don't see anything wrong with that. Okay, well, good to know. We're making progress here. This is cool. Great. Switch right, it sorry, up. Eric. Back to you, Eric. I apologize. Oh I yeah, we so derailed excited. that. Sorry, bud. I watched Opportunity Knocks with Dana Carvey. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> fucking, Stupid movie. I love that movie. Is it better than the turtle movie? Literally every single thing that happens in the movie is cringeworthy, racist, homophobic. It's it's from when's the last time you watched it. It's it's uh, unbelievable. Like, it's, the whole like movie is ago. like ripping my the hair out of my head. Like oh. everything he says is like this stupid, like stereotypical uh, affectation of some other race. I could not handle it. It was fucking like Jack boring. Morris this week. Wow, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. There, there is definitely some like cringy like Carvey impersonations oh, of other God. races. Yeah. His, his humor doesn't happen. hold yeah. up. Yeah, his humor some, is canceled. There's some, uh, there's some weak moments in there, but it's one that I just watched a ton as a kid. I just watched. Jesus. I watched it a fucking ton as a kid. It's got that Johnny Clegg song in it that I like so oh. much. Uh, you know, 
uh, weird, crazy, wonderful world. Anyway, uh, I think it's important not to uh, rewrite histories. You know, if it is as it is, we need to know that. If we're going to do better, let's keep things as they were. Learn from that, and we'll do better down the road. Learn from opportunity. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't take opportunity next. Knox, like said, down in, so, in front of like someone today, be like, enjoy this great film. It's a fine Recent, work of Recently art. entered into the uh, <laughs> Library of Congress. <laughs> Wow. It's a razor in the sun, Citizen yep. Kane. That's right. <laughs> Opportunity Knox is not career opportunities, career by the way. Opportunities is a different movie. That's what I was thinking. A better right? movie. Yeah. A better movie, admittedly. Oh, that's interesting. No I, Fiddler on the Roof references in that one, though. So, <laughs> But seriously, what was the name of that stupid ass Dana Carver movie where he turns into a turtle Master and it was like. Disguise. Master of oh, Disguise. The yeah. two worst movies, maybe ever Master turtle. of Disguise and Love Guru, yeah, both done by the Wayne's Whoa. World guys. Oof, just saying. It's unbelievable. These are good points. Mm. That's it, though, Mike. How about you, bro? That's it? Yeah, yeah we're light today. I got nothing. We're, I've just been, I've been balls deep in Sopranos. Uh, you know that. So, yeah. uh, it's what my season? first watch. Where are you at? Right knowing now? what happened for the first time. So, still, it's, I forgot so many things. So, I was like, oh, fuck, that happened. Right. I'm on uh, four right now, season four. Oh. Next episode I watch is Long Term Parking, one of the one of the greatest episodes of the show. I'm looking forward to that one. Let's, season five. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I'm not there yet. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Big Adriana. Big Adriana. Oh, boy. Yeah, um, Pine Bear. I watched Pine Bears a couple of days ago. People love yeah. that episode. It's so, uh, it's a great episode. A little overrated, I feel like. It's a little so. overrated. It's a yeah. little overrated. A little overrated. Season Thank three, you. episode one is my favorite. When they first bug Tony, like a whole episode is just pure Mr. Rosario's Neighborhood. That's love a great it. one. Fuck yeah, love it. That is yeah. a good one. I actually think, I think season two's might be the best. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not sure yet, but I'm thinking of that right now. It's really good. I like season two. I go, uh, yeah, see two, but I think I like three the most. I really like Ralphie a lot. I mean, he's terrible. Oh. He's a terrible human being, but I love Joe Pantoliano. The arc. See, the this whole, is what it comes down to, thing. man. It's down to who do you enjoy but loathe more Ralph Cifaretto <laughs> yeah. or Richie April. Those Ralph. two assholes back-to-back seasons. I'm like, oh, Richie April's <laughs> gone now. Okay, great. So we're done with that. Nope. We got Ralph Cifaretto. He just shows up after Tony's mom dies. They don't even, I love how they don't introduce him too. He's just there. He'd been in, in Miami. He's just been in Miami the whole time. He'd been busy yeah. doing cocaine in Miami. I, I like that about the show though. Like, yeah. what else is there? That's literally his backstory. Tony Blundetto jail. Okay, that makes sense. We haven't talked about him in four seasons or whatever. All right, uh, Ralphie Sofredo just oh. blow in Miami. Oh, okay, that's fine. He's been off the road. Yeah, Tony. So sorry about your mother. Yeah. <laughs> and I did well, watch that episode again. Nancy Marchand. That's cringeworthy too. That's just. Lowest moment, yeah. one of the lowest yeah. moments in television history when they superimpose her face over it's, it's like, what is that? Unwatchable. It's so bad. Yeah. yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's so bad. It just gets worse. It doesn't get better. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, it got better over the years. It. Not at all. Redact. I know. Uh, I've talked to people that didn't notice. I'm like, that's astounding to me that you wouldn't notice. I could. Yeah. <laughs> You know that scene in Chud in which a gnarly Chud breaks into the apartment yes. and its gross, dumb neck gets long for seemingly no reason? Yeah, that's Chud, bud. That's oh, man. what my junk looks that's, like. That's, I remember um, that scene. It since, was completely sincerely, ridiculous. Aaron Worley. This is Aaron Worley commenting on the live stream for you podcast <laughs> listeners. Breaks into the apartment. Well, now we don't have to cover it next week when he's on. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, one less thing to worry about. Thanks. I love how a Chud has to break into an apartment like, like it's your common petty criminal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I watched a single movie. Yeah, so sorry. It's just one of those times, I guess. So. Just, oh. rev- just reveling in a romantic Canadian bliss? Yeah, well, <laughs> there it is. 
she was bummed out I didn't bring my movie collection. I did blow that. And we got stuck watching the Anna Nicole Smith show on 2020 primetime on a, a Friday night. I'm like, when the last time have I sat down and watched ABC on a Friday night? Good God. Does network television still exist? 2020? It, Hugh it's a hotel, man. I, I was like, what? Was there more options than this? What the fuck? No, no. 2020. Weird. Yeah, that was Saturday. We watched old Seinfeld episodes on CTV, which is a Canadian channel. So it's all Canadian TV. I don't know what's going on, but it's basically American because there was nothing Canadian about any of it. All right. Well, if you've ever wondered, if anyone's ever wondered, I, I, I spend many sleepless nights wondering. Why? <laughs> I'll spend tonight wondering. Uh, I did watch American Gangster, though. That is the one movie yeah. I did watch, of course, yeah, good, yeah, good. because I, you know, I chose it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the least I could do. That's the least. Um. Yeah, so that's it. We're going to dive into American Gangster. Does it hold up or not? It's a standard issue segment. We do it every week here on the Cinema 9 podcast. Travis Roy, Eric Branstrom, Michael Govier. Don't forget, you can follow us, Cinema 9 Pod, on all your favorite social media platforms. And you can follow us individually if you like. Uh, me and Travis are on Twitter. I'm at MJ Govier. He's at Roy Zervoir, R-O-Y Zervoir. If you don't know how to spell it, that's S-E-R-V-O-I-R. -V I aim for clarity. <laughs> you are. So, 2007 film directed by Ridley Scott, our first Ridley Scott feature. Oh boy. Hey, guys. Guy. Officers. Hey, I'm Richie Robinson. You know it? Uh, that's uh, my money. What money? What? What money? The bills are, are sequenced, right? They're registered with the Essex County Prosecutor's Office. Just check them out. They all start with CF3500. Have a look. Fucking registers. Thought I had a fucking Chris Craft sitting in my driveway. <laughs> Honest mistake. I'll just get the money, eh? This time. All right. There it is. All right. Thank you. Last time I was in Jersey, let me think. Never. What are you doing coming over here unannounced? You think you get hurt doing that? You got your fucking money, Richie. And never, ever come into this city again unannounced. You come in to see a fucking Broadway show, you call ahead first, see if it's okay with me. No problem. That's your car? That's a fucking great car. A nice fucking trip back to Jersey. I'm not even going to go through the cast. This has to be the biggest cast of any movie we've done by far. Am I wrong? Wow. I think it's the biggest cast of any movie done so far, period. <laughs> the ensemble is out of control. I mean, it's like half the Earth's population. It really is. <laughs> I honestly gasped like 10 times. Like, <gasps> imagine making a drinking game out of this where you do a shot every time you recognize someone who comes on screen. <laughs> You'd be out time. of your mind. <laughs> it's absurd. It's distracting even. Uh, like, T.I. Hey, RZA. <laughs> All right. At least T.I. and RZA have roles. Like all of a sudden, fucking um, Norman Reedus just blows in to be like, hey, I yeah. hang out in corners of mortuaries. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's like, it. It could have been anybody. Like, why Norman? I mean, nothing against it. Like, I, I like cameos, but it's just is literally like a barrage of the senses. Like, oh, yeah. Kevin Corrigan. Oh, yeah. you know, of course. Uh, fucking yeah, of course. John, right. John, John 
shit on me, Polito, John shit Ortiz. On me, yes. uh, you know, it's just it's just like Ted Levine, him. baby. Yeah, I, Ted Levine. Like I recognize his voice oh, first. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Ted Levine, here he is. Oh, you guys find that heroin or what? <laughs> Miles Dyson too. That's good. Oh. I, I officially have my second favorite <laughs> Joe nice Morton thing. role. Yes. I mean, that mustache and that straight That's fucking weird. Cab Calloway That smoking hair. jacket? How about that? Yeah, he Halloween looks... USA costume department. Oh, oh man. <laughs> just went for it. He just went for it. Yes, Aaron, the first pod ever was a Tony Scott film. I that is right. correct. Yes, we got a cinnamon eyed historian Not here. Well free, done. Baby. That's right. Very uh, good. But this is Ridley Scott, and they're two I different people. So. Uh, yeah, so Travis, uh, do you remember the first time you ever saw this movie? I don't think this is the first time you've seen this, is it? This is the second time I've seen it. Okay. I, um, I, I watched it when it came out on, I guess, DVD, and uh, and that and that was it. Okay. I, I podcast well. I like <laughs> <laughs> Eric Ransom. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, like, I was kind of underwhelmed. I thought I thought it was pretty overhyped, and I wasn't that into it when I saw it. That's why I didn't watch it again until yesterday. Oh. Oh, well, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinions, and I want you to know that. Thanks. Eric Bresham, what, you're welcome. Uh, what about you, Eric? When's the first time you saw this movie? I rented it on DVD in 2007, and I made the horrific mistake of like starting it at like 11 p.m. So I was kind of like mm. just like drifting in and out of it. I didn't. I don't remember a goddamn thing about it until I watched it again last night. So I, I, I I'm ashamed of myself because I spent all this time not really having much of an opinion on it because I pretty much just slept through the damn thing upon first <laughs> viewing. Oh. And it's it's lengthy. It's a, it's it's what two hours and thirty seven minutes for really the is, yeah. uh, for the theatrical cut. Yep. There's a two hour and fifty five minute cut out there, but I haven't seen. It. Unreal. I have the. I think that's the one I watched because I. <gasps> well, I noticed extra scenes. I was like, wait, this isn't in the original. So yeah, okay. there's like more. There's more Clarence Williams the third. Uh, which That's Bumpy cool. Johnson, who was a yeah, real character. There's, see, yeah. this is a, a strange movie. We'll talk more about this. This is a, supposed to be based on a true story, by the way, about Frank Lucas, who's a real person. Bumpy Johnson was also a very famous real person in Harlem. Gangster-type, reputable, yeah. kind of a well-known dude as well. So, Nicky Barnes, played by Barnes. Cuba in the movie. Yeah, yeah, fucking... <laughs> Just nonstop. Shit, you got somebody playing Joe Lewis. So you got all these like historical figures popping in. Plus, you got all these actors that you recognize popping in. It's a lot to take in. I will say that yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, okay, but let's get back to the basics. So, did anyone look up the score on this? Because I saw this movie in the theater. By the way, I, I did see it in the theater. The for once, I was I into it. You didn't Wait. look up the score. I was into seeing this, and I remember like, oh shit, this is uh, this could be good. And Russell Crowe. By the way, Russell Crowe is like equally with Denzel in this movie, so I should mention that as well. Um, but this is Denzel's movie, in my opinion. But what's the score? I didn't look it up. So, Eric, did you look? No, I'm going to say uh, 7.0. Yeah, that sounds about right. The way you have this uh, screen set up, Mike, it, like, it looks like I'm walking down the street. I just have a really, really hey, oh, large yeah. upper body and oh. a really like skinny oh. legs. You, you look like that Peter Griffin. Down the street. You look like Peter street. Griffin's aunt, where she's all face and legs only. <laughs> no, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to guess in the sevens. Let's say I'll go up a little higher. I'll say seven two. By the way, what's the, just for fun? What's the you think the score is an opportunity knocks? Four five one. Six point one. That's that's a very it's not bad. Very. <laughs> oh, you said it was all right. Come on. No, you didn't say that, Trevor. Said that. I think this has got to be. Uh, whether it's legit or not, I believe that the score will be high because it's so large in scope and a true story. Denzel, Ridley Scott, 
you know, Russell Crowe. I'm going to say this is like a 7-8. That's my guess. Okay, let's hear it. Actual retail price. It is 7-8. I did not look, I swear. It's 7-8 right on the nose. That's elite wow. territory. That's that beloved. Is a, that is. That is. That really is. Film territory. Yeah. That is prized <laughs> film territory. An American treasure kind of thing happening right there. I mean, that's high. That's high. That's a big one. And you know, we'll talk more about, hey, is that legit or not? As we continue forward here on the Cinema 9 podcast, on the Rotten Tomatoes side of things, 81% okay. for the critics, 87 for the audience. The audience loves it. Big fans of this movie, which makes sense to me. I think the audience likes this movie a lot. I think it's driven a lot by many different quotes and stuff. It's pretty quotable. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's always this. We've done it many times. So, uh, one more for my man, Denzel Washington. Uh, critically, so though. Uh, Goody Coons is Goody Coons in. We got Goody Coons. We got Dessen. Who are our, our favorite? Well, Dessen is one of our favorites because he does like genuinely good work. Goody Coons, who knows? We really only heard him, had him one time, but what a name. <laughs> Mr. Goody Coons. It's tough to top. It really is tough to top. Like a good uh, candy bar. Like nougat, caramel. I'll take a bite of Goody Coons. <laughs> I would go eat a Goody Coons. <laughs> we got a. <laughs> Goody Coons. I would. I would. It sounds delicious. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> Uh, Pablo Viaca of Cinema M. Senia. Oh, it's all in Spanish. I can, never mind. I can't. Oh, oh, all right. I thought Get it was one. like a, it was in. I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't read Spanish well. I admit that freely. Uh, how about Larry Ratliff? We've never done this one. Larry Ratliff of the San Antonio Express News. Okay. Ridley Scott forgets that editing is an art form as well. <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't think he forgets at all. In fact, the great Pietro Scalia's editing on this is beautiful. I love the way he weaves these two stories together. It's seamless. I don't know what Ratcliffe's problem is. Yeah, I, I, that is not something that occurred to me in all this movie. If there's There are beasts, but that's not one of them. Travis? Yeah. <laughs> uh! Wow. Almost as brief as Dessen there these days. The bogus transition I missed? Travis Roy, the Cinema 9 podcast, yes? Uh, you know, I mean, I did kind of notice some issues with the editing as I watched the film. Mm, mm. I, I felt like it, I felt like it was a kind of a breakneck pace, breakneck pace for being a damn near three hour movie. Um, he uh, Scott at one point had talked about making this a, a two movie feature. And I think that uh, doing a two movie feature or going ahead and going for a three hour theatrical cut would have been a better call because I felt like there were parts of this where they move along at a bit too like a bit too fast for me. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Wow, that's, good. that's a good take. We need to know that. I have another point that I'll I'll get to with that as we get deeper in. Thank you. That's excellent news. Thank you, Travis. You're uh, continuing forth with the reviews. Uh, there's a lot of reviews, and I'm not seeing our our pals yet. I'm trying to get to our pals because there's so many. Uh, David Anson from Newsweek said this: For all its grit, style, and atmosphere, Gangster never sweeps you away. It has neither the lurid bravado of De Palma's Scarface nor the intimate grasp of the criminal lifestyle you find in Scorsese or Coppola. Coppola. Hmm? I, I fucking hate Scarface, so I can't... Yeah, I think yeah. Scarface is not that great. Uh, I, 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 I did feel like, I mean, like, as I watched the movie, I definitely felt like there's a lot of like deliberate hearkening towards Goodfellas, though. I mean, not a lot, but some. Particularly the opening scene, like, just like, like hey, like I've got to start a movie with an execution... Only, oh, in this, yeah, only in this yeah. sense, like that, like the art execution in Goodfellas, like it serves a purpose. It's yes. like it's part of the film. It's part of a um, bigger story too. Yeah, yeah. You're right. We definitely got a Frank that. And... I don't like that scene at all. By the way, fuck, it's dumb. 
unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like so I guess it's supposed to get like your blood pumping to, to gear you up, but it's silly to me. Okay, so that actually gets at the point I was going to make about the editing later, so I might as well go ahead and say it now. Like, I think that the movie skirts away from violence in a lot of places, except for that it does it in these random bizarre cutaways like it cuts away to the violence and like it's there's no yeah. context for it there's there's two murders or no when he murders idris elba in the middle of the street like that's very clear and like you know mm. part of the story and stuff mm. but for the most part like most of the violence and he beats a couple people up but most of the violence is like very much like you're watching the movie then you get like cut away someone's like you know getting shot yeah. or thrown on the stairs or like suffering from heroin like it's all like these cutaways and then like we get back to the story and i just felt yeah. like that was um like it seemed like there was parts of the movie that they wanted to put in there that didn't have time to, but they wanted to also show violence and like, but like it didn't fit. So that's yeah. what the, this is where the editing issues I was kind of getting at where I'm, where I'm talking about. Yeah, well, yeah. He beat, I mean, he beats up the driver of his cousin. That's yeah, I mean, that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, so, I'm not, okay. Well, hmm. I'm not saying there's no moments one. of violence. I'm just saying that no! a lot of, the murders in particular, other than, um, other than Idris Elba, like they, they're they're typically in cutaways. And anything I think you're dealing- upset, you're upset because they murdered a dog in this movie. Another fucking movie where they punch a woman. Another fucking movie where they kill a dog. Another fucking movie where there's an Asian slur within three minutes of this one. I feel like every movie we watch has to have these three fucking elements. It's exasperating. Well, the last two <laughs> movies we watch are both in a time. They are period pieces, so mm-hmm. I will say that just for the record, yeah, they're yeah, not like yeah. It's I'm made not- in 2007, but it's based in the 70s. I don't really, you know, I'm not marking against a movie. I know you're not. I'm more just you're right. Mo- you're not wrong. Those are facts. Yeah, God, those are it just facts. happens so often in film, all three of those fucking things. Yeah, it's commonplace. It's fun yeah. for them, I guess. Or yes. they're fucked up. Or they're trying to be too true to reality, but it's not always reality. Anyways, fuck them. Uh, Kurt Loader. What about Kurt Loader from Kurt MTV? Loader. Old Kurt. Kurt Loader. If, <laughs> we never hear from Kurt Loader. Mm-hmm. If nothing else... American Gangster exposes Brian De Palma's Scarface, another Scarface reference, the most popular drug saga among gangster wannabes as the crude cartoon that it is. Well, Eric, you'd like to hear that, wouldn't you? Hmm. Right? I'm just, I'm confused. Kurt Loder reviewed films? I thought he just, like, reviewed, like, the Everclear <laughs> album or whatever the fuck was going on in the 90s. <laughs> it's so dumb, right? It's like, why is Kurt Loder? So- I never see him mixed in here, so he felt like he had to. This is a big movie. I think people need to hear from me on this one. So <laughs> the people need to know. <laughs> Roger Ebert was still alive, and he said this is an engrossing story told smoothly and well. And Russell Crowe's contribution is enormous. Wow! So he's really singling out Crowe here. Oh, yeah. What do you think? Roger loves his epics. I mean, anytime there's a big long epic like. David Copperfield esque story. I Roger, I've noticed always loves those. One of my personal favorites, Wesley Morris, who we've done before. He's now at the New York Times. Back then, he was at the Boston Globe, and he said the entire movie is caught between being a work of seriousness and a work of absurdity. I don't know what he's talking about. Is that too highfalutin? <laughs> Why is it uh, absurd? Well, it's caught. Uh, because it's like a farce almost in a way, or but it's not. Wait, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. Absurdism is like Monty Python. Like, what? What is he talking about? Unless he's talking. Oh! I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please say what you're gonna say. Are I'm you gonna sorry. scream if I do? Uh, <laughs> oh, I just I found something great you after you. Go ahead. Word? Um, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. We'll get. No, to the please, please say it. So. Well- <laughs> that coffee. <laughs> 
Um, I the only if something absurd. How about the claim that this is a true story? That's there fucking, you go. There it is. Fucking absurd. Yes. Where's the rim shot, Mike? <laughs> I wish I had one. I, I damn it. I no, don't know. There uh, it is. It's fucking says it absurd. All. That, that so that's that. probably what he's referring. To. If you like I the movie, cheer for you. Don't do your homework. Three cheers. I like what you read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very bogus. Thank you, Travis. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah. pointed that out. We'll talk more about that momentarily. Yeah, but I found Bill Goody Coots' review. That's why Fuck I screamed. I'm sorry. I just got so excited. You don't even need to read it. Let's just talk about Bill Goody Coots. And Bill. What do you think that surname is? Is it German? <laughs> Czech? What is that? Goody Coots. Goody Coots. Yeah. Goody, spelled like good. Why? K-O-O-N-T-Z. Like Dean Koontz, but he's goody. Like, can you imagine if like Dean his, Goody Koontz. his yeah. um fiance had like a lovely last name, like something beautiful and Italian, and she found out that she was gonna have to be called Mrs. Goody Koontz for the Mrs. rest of her life? She should keep her name. <laughs> yeah, I'd suggest just stay with the maiden name. Yeah, I wonder what a last name's been a deal breaker for somebody. I'm out. I Maybe. can't do this. Uh, I'll, ne- I'll never forget um being in West Virginia and coming across the chambers of a judge pancake. <laughs> P-A-N-C-A-K-E? Oh, oh, yeah. It's actually a common name over there. I, I like I would walk around for like a week being like, I saw someone named Judge Pancake. And everyone's like, yeah, Pancake, what? Yeah. Oh, man. Imagine <laughs> being that The Honorable Judge Pancake. All right. <laughs> every day trying not to laugh. I had nothing but Mary McCheese jokes. And everyone's like, yeah, we've, we've heard those. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, according to Bill Goody of the Arizona Republic, oh. American Gangster shoots for epic stature and misses. But... Washington hits the mark from start to finish and one of the year's best performances. The one element that earns the larger-than-life status the rest of the film so desperately seeks. But he still gives it a four out of five. Okay. Seems like he's kind of ripping on it, though. Right? Yeah. No. Goody Coots? What do you, what's up? What's the deal, Goody Coots? Help us out. What's and, the deal, uh, Goody Coots? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> What's that, Goody Coons? Whoa! So dumb. Uh, I don't see any Destin, guys. I'm sorry. I tried, okay. but that's it. 11 pages of review. No Destin Thompson this week. Sorry. All right. All right. So, yeah, so let's talk about the bullshit going on here with this based oh, on a true story. So, okay, Frank Lucas is a real person. That is a fact. That's true. Uh, Richie Robertson is a real person. That's true. Who Russell Crowe's character. Uh, but that's pretty much... Yeah, you know, I, I took some light digging on my part to find a whole bunch of shit just stacked up to be like, this is nonsense. I mean, the people who said it was nonsense include people such as, uh, you know, Frank Lucas himself, <laughs> um, people that have written books about uh, Frank Lucas, uh, Richie Roberts himself, yeah. uh, the people that were on the prosecution, the people that like were on the um the team that like caught him, like pretty much everybody who knows anything about any of this shit says something along the lines of like, well, yeah, uh, Frank Lucas is a real guy and he sold drugs. That's about it. Yeah. And the whole thing with the cadavers and the drugs being smuggled through U S dead bodies from Vietnam, total bullshit. Apparently, although it's a, he said, he said between the guy they called Nate in this movie. So it's the real guy wasn't called Nate, but uh, the cause cousin Nate over there in Vietnam in Thailand uh, is supposed to be this guy that has outwardly rejected the real guy rejected Frank Lucas's claims. 
Frank Lucas, um, from what I read, has only even claimed that he only ever did that once and that he didn't even that it wasn't even uh, like servicemen in the coffin, but he had made like a fake coffin or some crap. But it just kind of became like this kind of urban legend type thing that they kind of had or felt like they had to throw in the movie. But there is so much just utter fiction about this movie that it baffles Mm. me to even pretend to to put a based on a true story thing at the front. Why not just, you know, inspired by true events and change the name? You don't have to. Like this pretense, this kind of like Oscar baiting pretense that like mm. this is a true story. Like, what's the fuck? Who does that serve? Like, you know, it's, it's a perfectly good story, but don't fucking pull this bait on bait and switch on me where you're going to pretend like there's anything remotely historically accurate happening. You've got the legendary Oscar winning Steve Zalian from Gangs of New York, Schindler's List. We're talking about one of the best screenwriters that's ever lived. You can't make the real story interesting or compelling enough for this film. I mean, even with what's there, I've seen brilliant movies where they had barely anything and they are, they stick true to what actually happened and you come out with a great product. So why stuff it in with all this nonsense, especially when the majority of it is so familiar and cliche and shit we've seen over and yeah. over again. And the relationship, the real life relationship between Lucas and Roberts is pretty fascinating. Not only did Roberts like um, actually end up defending him in court, like he ended up taking care of Lucas's kids while they while he was in prison. He ended up being godfather to one of his sons. Like they had uh-huh. like a very close relationship. Uh, and, and you only get like, ah, what three scenes or something with them together in the movie. Um, yeah. And don't, don't... and don't forget the, I mean, one of the 2000 cinemas, most straight, narrowed Serpico S cops was actually a complete kind of a douchebag. I mean, the, the dude was, <laughs> put to trial for stealing his client's money uh several years back and wound up getting probation and that that was his Richie Roberts? Yeah, Richie Roberts yeah Richie Roberts yeah guy's a fucking asshole they and make they, him so noble in the movie he won't steal I, any he won't take any money it is a period of time will. one of the things that is accurate is yes there were a lot of cops on the take especially in New York City during this time right. that is true does but, it feel like 1968 to 1975 do you guys no <laughs> it feels like 1973 yeah and onward yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I'm not. This is. You don't think it feels like the period at all? Then is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm saying that typically, like, you know, it's the year after the summer of love, but it's on the other side of the country in a very different kind of vibe. And so I find it like it kind of reminded me of Zodiac in some ways, and its approach to the era, and like not trying to do like a whole peace, love, and 1960s, early 70s vibe. Like, you, it feels kind of like i don't it feels like the 80s to me in a lot of ways it feels yeah. like very i don't know but like not again not necessarily in a bad way it just doesn't have like a typical 60s vibe to it. it's a lot grittier mm-hmm. it's a lot dirtier angrier than like you typically see late 60s early 70s which is that's pretty accurate like that's accurate right like th- this was actually a pretty tumultuous time with riots and shit like that and you don't see that represented in film very much so so i i just found it interesting i'm not saying i didn't buy it i just found it interesting mm-hmm. It feels like 70s New York City, New Jersey, North New Jersey to me for sure. So that that really I never really questioned that. I thought they set the tone well with the mustaches. A lot of quality mustaches. James uh, Josh Brolin's mustache is first class wow. oh, yeah. and uh, wow. a great head of hair with a I mean, sweet car. So nothing compared to Joe Morton's, but it's good. Yeah. I think they're both equally intimidating and impressive and beautiful all in once. They one, come one is a, from Halloween a USA and one is grown from the man's actual scalp. 
wow. What about Armando Sante? He's in this movie too. He pops in and he plays, he's like the Don of the Italian side of the family. And Again. he has this whole pissed off thing going on with corruption. So the corruption yeah. is real too, which, so this is where it gets confusing because some of the stuff is very much historically real. It did happen, but then it's all bullshit. So it fucks up people's views and perspectives of yeah. there reality. Was a, there was a lawsuit uh, brought against, it, it didn't, it was dropped. It was a lawsuit brought against the filmmakers because uh, by the DEA saying that this special investigations unit that the Brolin's character was supposed to represent, yeah. that this was, uh, you know, maligning hundreds of uh, people, but you never even like it got dropped because you never even get to, like they're they're in the D DEA. Who fucking knows what department they're in? So that's why it ended up. No, being, that's why it ended up being they're, dropped. But like they're, you know, they're city you cops. That's what I think. They're a special New York City cops. That's very, what I got. So from. special. They're, special. they're the specialist of most, all. Most yeah, special. So. Not the but, specialist yeah. with Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone, by the way. So. <laughs> no, no. Or the getaway with um, you know Cindy Crawford Kim Basinger. and. and <laughs> I thought oh no. Where Cindy Crawford and what am I thinking of? Cindy Crawford. The getaway is Kim. Oh, you're thinking one of the Baldwin uh, brothers. Oh shit! I know exactly what you're talking about. The getaway is Basinger Will, and Baldwin. Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Stone. Uh, no, it's uh, it's Crawford and Baldwin. The other, yeah. not uh, it's Billy and that they're. Uh, Isn't it called I the getaway? No, the getaway is uh, Basinger and Alec oh, Baldwin in '94. But I the next year, Cindy Crawford. Fair game. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair game. Thank you. Thank right. you so much. Yeah, oh, Freeway. No, dearie. We know Freeway here. Come on. That's I know what I'm making so. the Twitter picture for next week. A lot of getaway yeah. pictures in the night. The Chase, remember? Kirstie Swanson, oh, Charlie Sheen. Great movie. That might come Andrew up Rollins. here. I'm not kidding. That's a that could be an interesting film to analyze. But yeah, going back, I mean, we we do you I mean, come on, it's a movie. So you once again you have like these um, uh, they have to create like these amalgams of, of characters and then just condense into one guy yeah. that's gonna represent that you know, motif they're trying to set forth in the movie. Amanda Sante, the same thing, not a real guy, based on a real guy. And he's a renaissance man. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, what do you do? I'm a I mean, renaissance man. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Right. What's up, man? I'm a renaissance man. Yeah, you just don't open your mouth. That's pretty much right. Amanda Sante. You're, you're you too Italian to open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that chin. Have you ever don't seen a chin jut out? Like his chin juts out. It's amazing. How did I mean, he not uh, end up on the Sopranos at all? It's amazing. I know, right? I mean, it wasn't right fucking fucking Burt Young got a role, a guest no, star. Everybody, role everybody did. Everybody I mean, but everybody but Asante and Leota. I feel like that was a personal disrespect. Somehow he might have fucked something up somewhere. But and <laughs> at any rate, so yeah, okay, we we understand this movie's fucked in terms of historical accuracy. Okay, Let's yeah, accept yeah, it and fine. move forward from it. All right, good call. So many, but it does. Focus in on the drug abuse in a period of time that it was pretty much it was kind of like covered by the mainstream media, but there's nothing was really done about it. And people mm -hmm. suffered like crazy. And this movie puts a nice microscope on that. I, I'm going to give the movie credit for that. Even his own partner, the uh, my my guy. Shit, what's his name? I love John, him Ortiz. So much. John Ortiz. Thank you, baby. John Ortiz. So good. This is one of everywhere. Fantastic. Yeah, he's great. As he's like this, he gets bitter about the fact that the money they, they collect. The right they did mm -hmm. the yeah. Richie wants to do the right thing, which would yep. be bullshit in real life. But whatever, let it go. And then he feels like he's ostracized and alienated. And I think that would very much happen. Mm -hmm. And then he becomes this drug addict, and he yep. gets caught up in the streets. And then he tries mm -hmm. to get Richie. To, that scene where they they he kills the guy, the black guy, and then to get mm -hmm. out of it, they have to wrap him up. That awesome. that was also very real. There would be a lot of tension if you went to a black neighborhood or a project like that and you killed mm -hmm. a black person and you're a cop 
and they're not morons. They really had to cover that up. I, I don't. I almost think they wouldn't get away with that effect. But I could see them trying to make that happen to pretend that he's got a bad wound, he's still alive, and get yeah. him into the paramedics. Yeah, I think that's one of the best scenes in the movie. Actually, yeah, I like. I like how uh-huh. he. Um, I like how Russell Crowe's character takes away Ortiz's gun because, like, if he gets pulled into the crowd, mm-hmm. you know, like that's not going to be good. Uh, like, it's just like little things like that. I, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty well done. And again, Ortiz with that luxuriant hair, like, what, what mane, what locks he's Gorgeous. rocking in this film. Um, oh, Classic. and we keep on talking about Sopranos real quick. We got two people from Sopranos popping in this movie. We got Yul Vasquez, uh, who in, in I forget what's what's episode is but like he's friends with um with hess for like a minute they're like standing in in the stables and like they get this disagreement about like the holocaust and they just stop being friends oh that's the columbus episode yeah yeah so that's that's yule vasquez there just watch that one yeah yeah and uh and then we got uh we got Ruby uh, D? robert robert funaro who plays uh eugene uh, pontecorvo in the last two seasons he's on uh he's on gino's or Vito's uh crew so and he plays one of brolin's cops so it's fun watching The Sopranos and noticing that, yes, these people are in every fucking movie from the era. And some of the best drool on camera of all time from John oh, from Ortiz, Ortiz when he's in the ambulance. The, yeah, I made a note of that, too. Ortiz going for it and drooling all over himself. <laughs> Hall of Fame drool. I've I've been on a lot of pills, and I've hung around a lot of people who are fucked up. I've never seen anybody drool like that. I, he really yeah, sold no. it. I'll give him that. Yeah, it's, so. like, it's like Hooch and Turner and Hooch and John Ortiz <laughs> and American Gangster. That's got to be the top two. <laughs> Oh, Renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, so one of my complaints about this movie, uh, and you don't get it with Ortiz, because this is like a solid role for Ortiz. I'll just give you a minute. I'm sorry. Oh, that really got me good, man. It's, okay, let's, please, let's move the show forward. So that's a really solid role for Ortiz. Uh, and I know that Ruby D got a lot of acclaim for this role. I feel like she may have even been nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actress for it. She's old as fuck when she did Fantastic. this. Fantastic. Well, she's, How old she's was she? Fa- oh, God, I don't know. She she was, I mean, she's dead now, but she was super old she's already. Old. So she, I think she died in her 90s. I'll check that. But anyways, that's why she deserves she it. She was born in 1922. Yeah, she was old yeah, as fuck. She was old as fuck. Um, but like... So, but like when she finally has that scene where she smacks him, I'm like, oh, good, she's working now. Like Cuba Gooding, like he's in a bunch of different scenes, and then it's like, when does Cuba get to work? Okay, now he's got a scene where he actually yeah. works. There's a lot of underutilized actors in here. There's a ton yeah. of great actors who blow in, and they don't really get a lot to do. You're right. I was I was totally on board for Cuba, like because I remember I, I, between like as good as it gets and like. American gang, like I don't know what the fuck he was doing, like, like a lot of trash. But here he is, looking fucking fantastic, ready to go, and they don't really give him much to do, especially with a juggernaut of a, a criminal historically, like Dicky Barnes. Yeah, yeah. Commons in this too. It's like Commons here. Oh, okay. Right. It's just like and, people everywhere. <laughs> they got all these amalgamation characters. Like, why not boil it down a little bit more? Yeah. I realize that the dude, like, it, it's important that that because Lucas supposedly did have a ton of family members working with him. One a brother who we actually put a hit on at one point allegedly, but it's but still you can whittle that down and if you're I mean you're taking the fucking liberties that you're taking with the film anyways and and just make it I don't know so that the people have time to really shine I mean some of these people like like Chiwetel Ejiofor definitely gets plenty of screen time and does really good work with it Ti you know uh, Calvin Harris he I think he he does good with the with the scenes that he's in but there's a few people I'm just like 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 Polito for instance like. Polito barely, he's in two scenes that he <laughs> talks, but he's in like six scenes total. I don't know. I just, uh, it just seemed like some underutilized talent. 
I think if he had to do this movie again, Ridley Scott would tell you that maybe I would take the size down a bit because there was 180 locations. Yeah, that was in this movie. That was the point I was going to make. It like the record of, at the time. Like again, like maybe that's maybe it's not an editing problem I have with the movie. Maybe it's just like a busyness problem with the movie. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> they filmed. They did film in Thailand. That's real Thailand over yeah, there, and so they yep. went all over the fucking world for this thing. That's right. That's, well, I, which, is, they, which is good. They kind of had to for that stuff. I'm glad they did. I don't know. I mean, I it, for me, like I thought I, I praise Pietro Scalia so much because I thought the editing flowed so well. It reminds me of something like uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, Thelma Schoonmaker is the best editor that's ever lived. And what she does is she takes these three, three and a half hour movies and makes them seem like they're only like an hour long because they're going from scene to scene to scene and they're stuffing a lot in instead of spending just like 20 minutes long on one one basic thing that you could get in just like 10 seconds here in one location yes. so I, I, yeah I don't know, it worked for me i completely agree completely agree this movie always flew by for me and sometimes it would end and i'd be like oh it's over already yeah. it's already it i i had that feeling when i watched this movie not this time but many times before we get to the point where they like start over they scrap they build the team and they start to do this new investigation and i'm like oh man time's flying by now and the movie's gonna end soon and it, to me it doesn't really it. drag all that much it doesn't i literally paused it at, at like i think an uh 97 minutes is the it's like literally the first time that Russell Crowe and Denzel like meet face to face. Yeah. And I I remember thinking, Mike, I could like this this let's go. Like bring it on. I could go for another two hours. I think this this story could actually make a pretty solid 10-part miniseries. I think it moves along at a pretty fast clip, like I said, and it doesn't it it, it didn't bore me. Like there, there's I, I for being a pretty lengthy film, yeah. it's not on it's not uncommon for me to like stop and like pause a film and go and do other things. That's I, the I, thing, I, man. I, it is so despite my my I, I know I've got some issues with the editing. I can't really put my finger on what it is. I think like I said, I think it's not really the editing, maybe it's just a, a little bit too much going on for me, a little too busy, but it does move at a good clip for the for the you know for what's going on here it doesn't it doesn't bore the viewer did anybody go out and try to buy heroin after this mm, no okay, i didn't good did you it's good i don't have a supplier i, did, I don't i can't make um, it over there it's did the movie expensive. um give you the impression that heroin's bad or not really uh, i mean i, I saw no. a lot of positive things a lot of money a lot of uh growth yeah, yeah a lot of uh, money Mostly just business money. opportunities. <laughs> a lot of scenes of like titties and heroin, like the, the obligatory lady naked ladies making heroin packets together. That's the real deal, man. You can't we, steal that shit. We get one Thanksgiving montage where it's like, hey, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Heroin sucks. Here's some dead bodies. Yeah. Then like back then, to the movie. But then Josh Brolin's <laughs> car gets blown up. It's not a good Thanksgiving for him. He loved that car. He I know. He's very sad. And the whole so you're trying to did anyone have a problem keeping track of all <laughs> the different beefs and rotating like okay so we got we got frank lucas versus the brolin crew these scumbag detectives right. and then we got the scumbag detectives versus richie's crew who richie right. i love that scene when, when russell crowe has to get the money back that's been earmarked for him to try to follow the money <laughs> so and he's so yeah. nervous to oh, ask God. these guys when he pulled he his badge out that. i cringed like i've never cringed before i was like oh you schmuck they fucking take his badge from him yeah and yes. like hold on to it for a minute that's so emasculating yeah it's all yeah he's like uh, it's cringy yeah it's oh, right, russell crowe looks so weak it was kind of good it was yeah, great acting. yeah it's cool 
We got Frank versus um, Idris Elba character. I mean, we got all these tiny little subplots and, and sub-conflicts that, that work. Sometimes they don't really get fully fleshed out. There's this whole thing in the beginning where he's like talking about how, where Roberts is talking about how public speaking is everyone's greatest fear. And this guy is someone who becomes a public speaker. He's a public, def he's a defender. He's a lawyer. So that he, but he, he makes a point in that scene because John Ortiz is like, well, why don't you not do it then? He's like, no, I want to get over the fear. He does make that point. I had ne actually never caught that line in that scene because I has often said the same thing. Why is he doing this? But he, he wants to fight through it. He wants to overcome it. So yeah, and, and whether he, it's and real he, or not. Right. And he, and he does because he becomes a lawyer and stuff, but I, I don't know. It just seemed like, um, it was like, I don't know, like a, a seed that was dropped that didn't really get, I don't know. Yeah. I just, there, there's a lot going on. Again, there's a whole fucking lot going on in this film. So so when things could have dropped, been dropped, maybe it would have been helpful in a few places. But so yeah. let's talk about Frank. By the way, it's a Cinema 9 podcast. We're talking about American Gangster. Does it hold up or not? Well, I don't know. We'll find out. So even if it's real or not, forget that. Put it all aside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Frank in the movie focuses a ton on family. Is it legit? Is this guy a hypocrite? Is this because he's trying to create this world of, and help everybody in his family to raise the stakes. He seems like a super reputable, even though he's a terrible murderer, he's a terrible, terrible, violent murderer. He's got a lot of stoicism and pride, and he's very much always in a suit every day, and he tries to set the tone for his family. But is he a hypocrite or not? Well, I don't think he's necessarily responsible with his uh, with his family. I mean, his mom tells him at that one big scene, like, you were the oldest. Whatever you did with your life, they were all going to follow you. You could, you know, if you wanted to be a, she gives some examples, but you know, whatever you did, they were going to do too. Um, and he, and he, and he clearly doesn't like he he uses he sees them as like means to an end for the most part. He he doesn't seem to really um, value them very much as family at all. They're just people that he yeah. can trust and keep close to him and do business for him. Um, yeah, he's he's a pretty bad guy. Like he's not a good guy, Frank Lucas. And and. It's almost like a facade or a front to keep up this personality as this family man and this uh, noble person in this community. You got the obligatory have the crime lord handing out turkeys or whatever the fuck on Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. So, so played out. I don't out. know. Yeah, he tries to get his – he tries to get – T.I. into the New York Yankees. He's got a great arm as a pitcher, and he's like, I want to yeah. be like, okay, you, Frank. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be a pitcher. I want to yeah. be like you. And then you got the standard obligatory, no, yeah. I don't want my youngest people to get involved in my life obligatory bullshit, too, which is just like, it's so cliche, or uh, but at, it does happen. Or look at how he treats his wife. Um, like, she oh buys boy. him this gregarious coat that, like, do you know your husband <laughs> at all? Why would you buy him this coat? But like, Downfall of everything! This fucking not. coat! It's not. He blames the coat, and, and he he lets he lets um, Josh Brolin's character ruin the whole wedding night. He burns the coat right in front of her, like basically blaming her as if she bought those tickets right in the very front row, as if she made him shake the hand of every notorious gangster around him. Wow. He was going to be on the radar either way. The coat had fucking nothing to do with it. He just... You know, just that's where I think the this script shines for me in this. I don't want to be the guy that uses this word, but it's appropriate. But you're going the juxtaposition to. of the way Frank interacts with his family and the way that Richie does. You've got Frank who is Richie. Richie. <laughs> You've got Frank who is seemingly the perfect family man, uh, but like a, a fucking evil murderer at work. And then you've got Richie who does his job impeccably like Serpico at work. And yet he's a fucking horrible family man. So this cop and criminal are the same Uroboros thing. 
Uh, it's it's a little heavy handed, but I think it works, especially for that scene. Whereas Frank starts to turn against his own family, Richie has the gall to stop and say to himself, "I am a bad father. Go ahead and take the kids because I'm not worthy of it." Worth worth mentioning that the dude's not a father. I mean, again, like we're over the non-factual bits of the movie, but Richie Roberts uh-huh. has no, yeah, he has no children. That never happened. There, it is. thank you, Travis. Uh, by the way, why does he have to be a womanizer though? It just bothers me. He's like, why does? Hey, I fuck everybody, and every girl looks at me. <laughs> why does it have to be like that? It's... Moral character thing. You got to have some some. Fuck that. He's already, he's already a shitty father. It's enough. Why does? I just, I don't, I don't know. That always bothers me about this movie. It's like, okay, great, you, you. Everyone looks at you and they want to fuck you. Good for you. And this is really the final Russell Crowe before he became the different Russell Crowe that he is now. This is kind of the farewell to the old Russell. Hey, man, Have we? He's back with Unhinged. Dude, I oh no, unhinged. he's not. That's not what I'm. <laughs> I that's not what I'm saying. So I think you know what I'm saying. That's but not. Dude, what I'm saying. Did he gain some weight? Did he had a weird auction where he like sold a skull and some other stuff? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Soul brother. Uh, did we fail to point out the fact that this is uh, the second team up of these legendary actors after Virtuosity? Six, six, uh-huh. I never forget Come that, on, dude. Reportedly, I watched it, it last year. With, Fucking uh, dumb. Reportedly, it has a lot to do with Denzel taking the role. Like, I, I guess he had been handed the role and then kind of walked away because this thing was in mm. developmental hell for like seven years. Uh, so yeah. he, he he came like it was going to go to Will Will Smith, and then he came back when he when he found out that uh, that. Um, well, this is two straight uh, Ridley Scott outings for Crow too, because yeah. Body of Lies and this were back to back years, I believe. They had no, it, um, they had done a uh, what's that? A very great year, a very good year. Very good year. That's three then. So that's three Lion straight. Movie. Yeah, they wow. talked about this movie while making that that movie, which which isn't a bad film actually. It's really low key. I like and, to see that. Yeah. Uh, it's not a great year. A very great year, a very good year. Yeah, I mentioned it. I watched it in one of my uh, quarantine viewing picks over the last year on the show. And I was like, it's it's, it's kind of, it's kind of dull. Robin Hood (laughs) is very dull. It's slow. It's very like, uh, well, Body of Lies was 06, right? I didn't see that one. I don't know. With Leo DiCaprio? That was a, that was a big, I I think it was kind of a bust for them. That was supposed to be a big movie. It's an international espionage movie. I did see it. I was among the millions that didn't watch it. Oh, well, same year as Blood Diamond. All these movies are bleeding together because in 06, 07, all these movies are happening. So it's a busy oh, yeah, time man. for Ridley Scott. Dude, I'm sitting here thinking, who has the gravitas to play Frank Lucas besides the great Denzel Washington? I don't really know if I'd buy Will Smith in this role. No, hell with no. These, like the heroin scenes and all this shit. I'd come Idris, Elba. No. Idris Elba probably could have done it. Yeah, um, he could have. But, but, but he would have been handed the role at that point in his career. And I think yeah. Chubal, Chubatel Ejiofor also could have done it, but he also wouldn't have been yeah. handed it. I don't know about that. Career. I don't know about that. I don't know. I think they they're younger. Were. They were both in their maybe early 20s yeah. back then. Well, so. Chuito's yeah. Ch- a good actor, but I don't know if he could do what... I don't I think, think he can get that. I mean, no, he, no, he I just watched Twelve Years a Slave again. So to me, like the guy oh can do God, fucking anything. Fucking oh right, but he does. He does an incredible job doing that. But so this good. role, the Frank Lucas role, is a hardcore motherfucker, a fucking violent, evil, fucking son of a. He's not evil. He's just a man. But he uh, he's, got, he's He's Baron Mordo. He can do hardcore son of a bitch. Uh, uh, he took a man's. Uh, he took away a man's <laughs> ability to walk, and that is intense. You're right. No more that magic, is, baby. No more magic. <laughs> That's hardcore. I'll give you that. But yeah, so you're right. Denzel deserves all the praise. He's outstanding. I don't even know if he got nominated for this or not. Um, I don't know either. Did you guys see that video that's going around right now? Uh, a viral video video of Denzel Washington being interviewed by Jamie L. Fox. And he's talking about the first time he was nominated for an Academy Award and how like 
Uh, he was nominated along with Sean Connery and Sean Connery got a three minute standing ovation when he came out to present some other rewards. So he just got up to leave. He just left and stopped by the catering area on the way out and grabbed some food. Oh, <laughs> my God. That sounds cool. Oh, it's so funny. No, that's fucking oh. dumb as fuck. I will tell you this. <laughs> man. And, uh, so this deal, uh, you got the. It's un American. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty easy to do. It's an uh, easy. He's Aaron drooling all over himself like John Ortiz. By the way, those <laughs> those that are watching enjoy that. <laughs> There's a so the the Italian mafia is what yep. it is, and yeah. then you've got Frank encroaching. You got an interesting dynamic going on here. Uh, they don't think do. a black man. Uh, nobody thinks this is part of the movie we haven't talked about. Nobody thinks a black man could rise to power yeah. like he has in this era and on the scale that he has taken over the entire heroin trade, which true or false, that's what this movie presents. And that's what he's doing with blue magic, blue magic on sale now at your local street corner. And he is, I like that. I think it's an interesting topic and the clear racism, the bigotry and the uh, almost unbelievability on the part of these other people who have been dominating this trade and underground crime for decades upon decades. They are at his whim. He starts setting the price. Yeah. It's just the wholesale guy. Yeah. Which is fucking Um, great. That's a fresh take. That's pretty cool to see. Uh, You don't see that as much. So I I was kind of, in fact, that's one of the first times I could really think about seeing it in a movie this big. I will say, um, for all my gripes about the historical inaccuracy, I find it really interesting that you have this character that's like um, such a hard ass, such a badass, such like a I, I, you know, no one fucks with me kind of character. And by the end of the movie, he's turned snitch and very willingly. He needs glasses to do it. Apparently, for some reason, he's got to wear glasses when he's snitching. Oh, yeah. um, but like, but it's very, <laughs> it's very. That's uh, what they call a prescription eyeglass. Hey. <laughs> So, um, great gift, Dad. Which, which is true. Frank Lucas did do that. So I, I did find it interesting, but it's like you know that they that they chose to include that bit because it's not complimentary, and it seems kind of out of keeping with the character. Like you don't really like. I mean, he explains why he does it. It's like fuck them, they never cared about me. I'm going to reduce my sentence. Blah blah blah. But he goes pretty quickly from being like, "I'll buy you off. I'll fucking kill you. All right, I'll just work with you." <laughs> I think they downplay the anti-Semitic aspect of the Richie character. Yeah. Uh, you've got a huge opportunity with this police force that's probably all like, you know, Irish Catholic or well, whatever. They're all black, apparently, in 1968, almost the entire police force is black. Did you notice that? I'm like, I didn't notice that, but I don't know how that. Yeah. I hope it's true. Well, you got a throwaway line, and I think uh, if you're going to put beef up that Richie character, you could have delved into that a little bit more because yeah. Yeah, the, the the ethnic slur that's that's right. hurled at him. The response. Oh, to. that government asshole. Yeah, well, you get to totally see that a government asshole get arrested later. So it's like, ah, you're an anti-Semite. You get arrested. You, fuck. That's, <laughs> you, that's get, arrested, you get arrested. You get arrested. You. Everybody get arrested. gets arrested. All the anti-Semites get arrested. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, I mean, everything comes <laughs> crumbling down. But this is a unique movie because it allows. And it sets the tone for something you just don't see very often. So I'd like Frank Lucas, and I wish the, I wish it was more real. Frankly, I wish this was more of a true story. Yeah, uh, to think that Frank Lucas dominated the mafia in real life, it seems questionable. And why um, not maybe instead make a movie about Nikki Barnes? Wouldn't that maybe make well, more sense? It'd make more sense, uh, but it's not something I would want to see. I said it during our Clockers episode. I said good riddance ooh. to this idolization of these gangsters they're murderers mm. they're despicable fucks 
I think the <gasps> less movies we get where they put these people on okay. this pedestal and enshrine them with posters at you know the fucking poster shop, I, it's 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 out of control. And I think this was a yeah. nail coffin for that genre. Well, I think you make a really good point, and this is um, in multiple interviews. Uh, Denzel Washington said why he chose the role. It wasn't just because mm. Russell Crowe was in it. He said that he was really interested in following in in, in the arc that that Lucas's character had. That mm. it wasn't glorifying mm. um, crime, and that you get a clear sense that he's a broken man at the end who is like like working like collaborating with the government. Blah blah blah. But you watch the movie and it's so much of an afterthought. You know, you get 90% of the film that's like, here's the baddest of badasses in all time of all badasses. Yeah. And by the way, you know, 10% of the time he was a snitch. Right. Wow. But Jay-Z made a whole album called American Gangsters. He loved this movie and he made a big album related to it. So he was very impressed by it. Yeah. This is people love this movie. It's drawn to a lot of people. They like what do they like about it? What do you think people like about this movie? It's, I mean, it's very well shot. It looks really good. You have uh, that is not what people like. About well, that's just, that's the start. That's the most basic thing. You have a you have a brilliant director and very capable filmmaker and crew um, shooting really solid actors. Some of whom are again not getting enough to do, but still, so like a, just a, a huge cadre of really really talented actors. And a lot of them are doing like badass things, like shooting people down in the street or like walking around in pimp clothes and like. So it looks cool, feels cool. Yep. Some violence thrown in there, but none of it is like you don't. Again, like I, I you don't really get a sense that there's a, a lot of, of like, despite the fact that he does eventually go to prison, you don't really get a sense. I think that there's like a lot, a downside to being a criminal. Um, it's mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely. I, it feels to me a lot more celebratory than anything else. I, I think that maybe yeah. um, the the script that Washington saw that he signed on for. Maybe that edit ended up a little shorter. Than well, that's not true, thought. though. He walks out, I mean, after it's over, and then hip-hop is fully on scene. And yeah, he and that doesn't, shot is amazing. He it. no longer knows the world that he used to know. But even though he didn't do prison for that long, he actually got out pretty early, then got busted <laughs> for more drug charges in 1984, then he went back for another seven years and got out in 1991. Yeah, so. they talk about him serving 15 years. They don't mention that it's like not consecutive because it's for two different fucking uh, right. violations. They couldn't be honest about that. Right. It's a simple fucking piece of information, that. you fucks. God right. damn it. People love this movie, Eric, because it's just like Scarface. It's the same reason they... It's not like Scarface, but it's the reason they like it. They look to it, the glitz, yeah. the glamour, the, oh, fuck, fuck you! I yeah, mean, it's very much a fuck you to both cops and to like white society. And like, I love uh, that. I'm, yeah. I'm always down with that. Yeah, by yeah, the yeah. way, so. the other thing is you have two underdog stories with a cop that's not respected who gains respect, you know, like it or not, uh, by his uh, integrity, and you have this person who was a going from a bodyguard to a major kingpin. People are always going to eat that shit up. One movie I thought about a lot during this was fucking blow and how much i think blow is a piece of shit because it's like watching an entire movie just uh from frank's perspective without someone on his tail so you can you know root for someone to take this guy out when you yeah. lose your sympathy for him i thought of blow also i also thought of clockers it's funny um we did clockers recently and richard price actually took a pass at the script but mm. i don't think that anything that he did actually ended up on screen it was pretty early on in the process oh but my god what? I did watch a movie the previous week that I didn't mention. Did I tell you guys I watched Shaft? The original? 
No, the 2000 version oh. with Samuel oh, Jackson. Yeah, it was yeah. right after Clockers, and guess who did the scripts? Oh. Richard Price. Yeah, it was right after we did Clockers oh, that week. God. And guess who stars in it? Or is a co-star? Samuel Jackson? Mackay Pfeiffer. Um, I was like, Mackay what the Pfeiffer. fuck? This is oh. I just I didn't seek the movie out. I just had never watched it during the Christian Bale phase. Mm. He's in that movie. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. Anyways, Christian Bale's in that? I forget. Oh yeah. my god, he's like the, the main villain. It's weird. Oh, oh dumb. That's it's funny. right after American Psycho. Same year, basically. So. Wow. <laughs> uh, blow kind of sucks, or blow oh, fucking fuck sucks, blow. says blow Luke Horobeck. Wow. We, that is well, we did a whole episode on it Stupid movie. Yeah, I, it, yeah. if you don't like it, uh, leave it USA number one. Uh, I will tell you that this is a movie that has always been fun to me. It it moved quickly. I like a, There's a lot of fun dialogue. I do quote a lot of this stuff. There's I can't even think of all the quotes right now. There's a lot of them, and people like this movie because it is quotable, too, and... That's there's a lot part of it. There's a lot of great quotes and memorable lines. Uh for me, there's not a lot of memorable scenes or real like set pieces, I think, rather, like five, Ooh. ten minute chunks. I sit there today and I'm thinking, well, what what would I want to see again? Like I, I yeah. I'm not that jazzed to return to it, even though it's clearly a well put together and precise picture so the scene that sticks out to me the most like when i watched it once and then whenever i thought about the movie this is the scene i thought about where he gets up from breakfast and goes out in the middle of the street and shoots yep. elba in the head and then goes back to breakfast and said so where was i right but that scene it just feels i mean like again like i mean i hate to use this word repeatedly but there's a lot about this movie that feels a little derivative this is yeah. like the, this is a yeah. the classic scene like there's so much to yeah. me that just feels like a little bit you're following the rules of similar gangster features. Well, now, I do think that they're, they're they're twisting it in a lot of their own ways, and, and and I'm not wholly opposed to it. But I do think that they are kind of hitting some similar beats. Twenty percent, guys. Yeah, twenty no percent. That's a, well, yeah, that's great. That's the thing. I mean, wh- how do you keep this genre, and it is a subgenre of movies, fresh? I mean, what else are you going to do with a mob movie before people just start calling every mob movie a Franken film? Well, you know, of every other one. Not to just sit here and turn this into the Sopranos podcast, but partly, <laughs> partly what you oh do boy. is you. Well, partly what you do is you make Mickey the Blue character. What, partly what you do is you make the characters true. Like there's so many like little elements just constantly peppered, just meaningless bits that just like that fill out the lives of the characters of Sopranos. It's just infused with like pathos and yeah. like reality. And yeah. I think that that's unfair though. And I think so. I think that that's uh, you know what you do with with. The, it's unfair. TV versus movie though. That's the thing. Oh sure, you, you know? get so much more time to develop with Sopranos. But I, I agree with you. I completely right. agree with you. I just think it's no, no. Yeah, you, 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 you just don't get point. the time. And yeah. that was a problem with this movie that we talked about. It's just there's too much going on, and to shove it all, in, it's still a long movie, and it still works for me. It still moves. It still flows. But you cannot sit down and give these characters a more natural feel, a more legitimate to the streets feel or whatever part of the world they're from in this film because there's just not enough screen time. There's, there's, there's too many yeah. worlds going on here. Too yeah. many cooks. Yeah. There's so. there's always some other cameo to get to. You know, there's there's some there's someone other to get to. Uh, Aaron Worley also says blow blows. Looks so like everyone's obsessed with blow now. We've totally lost everybody on this movie. Not, our, uh, not our most listened to episode either. So I really wow. decent listening. But. That's too bad. I thought people love Johnny Depp. Oh, he's not cool anymore though. He's been eighty six. Never hey, mind. I still like him. Oh, you know, other in other Johnny Depp news, they're going to have a, uh, a libel case in America after all. Um, awesome. That's great. Yeah. Moriarty too. 
<laughs> Mordecai too. Yeah. I certainly hope so. Mordecai, Mordecai too. I said Moriarty. I was like, yeah, Drake, you gotta think of the Dairy Farmers. <laughs> <laughs> I think about them so they think about me. God. <laughs> Anton, Anton Arenko. Hey, Anton, how you doing? Gotti was a terrible. <laughs> Sorry, Gotti was a terrible representation in the subgenre. Have you guys seen it? Well, yeah, it's fucking trash. Are we talking Amanda Sante? Or yeah, are you talking the HBO film with That's what he's uh, talking. Amanda Sante yeah, and William? Oh, John Forsyth. William John Forsyth. Forsyth. William Forsyth. William Forsyth, yeah. William, not John Forsyth. Spaghetti William Dick. Forsyth. Yeah. He, spaghetti Flat Dick. Top. Who, <laughs> Flat Top Spaghetti Dick, who plays Sammy the Bull Gravano. <laughs> Flat, yeah. Flat Top Flat Spaghetti top Dick, spaghetti also dish. known as William Forsyth. Is that a Ben and Jerry's flavor? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've seen that movie. I, I saw it on HBO when it came out back in the day. I was kind of excited about it. They really pushed Gotti. I'm like, who's Gotti? Because I didn't really know as a teenager. Uh, but I think now it doesn't really hold up. If But maybe we'll bring it to the table someday, Anton. It's a good question. Armando Sante is a treasured actor. Oh, Travolta? Oh, the Travolta one that came out? That's right. Oh, my God. I didn't catch that one at all. No one here saw that movie, right, Eric? No one. No one would ever see yeah. that movie. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I agree with Travis Anton. I'd have to be super yes. fucked up to sit. Although I would be possibly interested in three of us sitting down in person to watch Gotti to make fun of it. That might be fun. Actually, yeah, we'll, we'll live stream. We yeah. all end up all John Travolta's recent work. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, between that and the Fred Durst directed film, I mean, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, I like times, that one. But. I like that one. Fred Durst. Oh my God, you fuck. Uh, mm -hmm. Anything else in this movie, guys? Before we close it out, because we did start a lot earlier. We had a very light quarantine viewing picks. You've got uh, I, Harris Savides, man. The late great does some of his best work. That cinematography is so rich. Right from that first, remember that first scene when uh, Frank and Buppy are outside the uh, drugstore mm -hmm. and all that snow. You can literally see every yeah. snowflake flying around. Cinematography is beautiful. Mm -hmm. it's very, very beautifully shot. Um, on a personal note, I've had these two songs stuck in my head for months. I've had across 110th street and only, the <laughs> only yeah, just that line though. Right. Cause I don't know the words well enough. So I just walk around across 110th street. I just got it out of my head, but of course that song's in the movie like twice, I think, or at least. Well, that's, a, that's important about the selection. Cause the next line is pushers won't let the junkie go free. And right. we always talk all the time about if the product's there, People right. are going to buy it. And he says he controls from 110th Street to like, I think, 150th or something. So it's very, very literal. But And also, um, Only the Lonely. I've had that song stuck in my head for like months. <laughs> so like watching this movie, I'm like, fuck, never getting them out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cross. Yeah. It's like a, he's like a third brother of five just trying to yeah. survive. Yeah. yeah it's a, only the it's Lonely a classic, with John so. Candy, though. Not a, not a good movie. Oh, oh I, I disagree thoroughly. I really, really yeah, like that movie quite a bit. I'm disagreeing completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody oh, seems to like Gotti, by the way. I watched uh, it recently and I really loved it. <laughs> John Candy is a treasure. He's always going to be a treasure. And I think there needs to be a a recognition and maybe a reimagining of a lot of John Candy movies uh, that we've know. been shit on I've, a lot. I watched that recently also. I still like that one too. Who's Harry Crumb? I just don't. Bartender With Eugene Levy? Armed and Dangerous? <laughs> Armed and Dangerous is classic. With Shit's Creek being big, I bet that movie is much more, it'd be much more popular now. So There's, 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 talk about like some uncomfortable uh, contemporary like homophobia and that kind of stuff. There's some really awkward moments in Armed and Dangerous, but it's good. It's <laughs> Armed and Dangerous. <laughs> Back when every 80s movie got its very own song. You're damn right it did. They knew how to do music and themes back then, man. It was so wonderful. Well, it's an Absolutely. Epic movie. All right, we'll we'll sing a song about it. <laughs> Look at this from a miles away. Chad Gibbons checking in. Oh, Every okay. single John Candy movie that Eric is mentioning is great. Yes, there you go, Eric. Agreed. Yeah, I don't know. In, I don't know. 
Um, well, Canadian bacon, not so great. Wagon thank you. Okay, thank you. Give thank it that. Wagon Dees also not that great. <laughs> That's fine. See, but thank you for than, being Other honest. than those two, I'd say pretty much every other film. And, of course, JFK is garbage. <laughs> Can you quote it? You out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> you as crazy your mama. Uh, all right. His uh, performance is fucking great. It is. It is. JFK's trash. Good performance. But we all know Travis doesn't like Oliver Stone either, so that's true. Uh, but that movie, again, just like this movie, actually, JFK and this movie have a lot in common in terms of their ridiculous Cast? stating. <laughs> well, what was the... Uh, What's oh, yeah. the best impression of the show so far? Is it Mike Govier's Armando Sante, my Ted Levine, or Mike Govier's uh, John Candy and JFK? <laughs> Hit us up, uh, cinema9pro.pod.gmail. Whatever the fuck it is. Proton <laughs> Cinema9pod at protonmail.com. Come on, you know what you're doing. All right, well, let's call, us, uh, let's call it up. Let's put, uh, yeah, put a ringer. Let's good catch there. Um, let's yeah, a, let's, uh, let's, let's wrap this here up. Let's let's wrap up this alpaca rug. It's twenty five thousand dollars already. Let's blot let's yeah. blot it away. Blot it. Blot 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 it away, Travis. Take it Jeff away. Ted Levine was the best impersonation. I'm I'm inclined to agree with it. That was pretty fun. That's true. Uh, all right, me first in the Gimme Yumis. Okay. Um, so like I said, I uh, was I was a little underwhelmed when I first watched this movie. When Mike announced it, I was like. What's the running time on this thing? Well, I guess I'm getting paid back for Cloud Atlas. Uh, <laughs> oh, there it is. Thank you, wow. uh, so, uh, so I watched it, and I definitely enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to based on my first viewing. Um, I do feel a little bit like, uh, again, it didn't take much research here. I, 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 I It's to, to learn how horrifically inaccurate it is what's kind of left a bad taste in my mouth a little bit if again yeah, if, they had, does. if they hadn't pulled that fucking shenanigan i probably would have been a little bit more understandable but I've just kind of like all the things i kind of was like oh i can live with that i was kind of like eh, well then why yep. um so uh i'm gonna put this in that rare memento class and that if you've never seen this movie you're, you're not listening at this point but if you've never seen this movie this is a movie worth watching because it's well made and it's um, you know a lot of great actors doing some good work, but I don't think that it's one that that deserves or really needs to be revisited. I mean, it, like I said, it's a little bit better than I remember, but uh, like I don't really feel like I was missing anything either. I'm not going to watch it again anytime soon. So I'm going to say it doesn't really hold up. Oh, oh my gosh! Uh, why don't you go next? Uh, wait, should I? I'll go next. So. Uh... American Gangster is a film that is fast-paced. It moves quickly. It's got a billion different parts. If you like intrigue, if you could just forget all the bullshit about the true story stuff, just forget it, (laughs) which is hard to do because they've really shoved it down your throat, and it's kind of grown since then, too, about this. Frank Lucas got a lot of run from this movie. He made almost a million dollars almost from it, almost a million dollars just, just for selling the rights to the story. He made a million dollars. Yes, you're right. Uh, but he's dead now, and he's left us in charge. And I gotta tell you, I think it's he's a fun movie. Uh, Frank person. Lucas is dead. Is it really? Oh, yeah, he died in 2019. Oh, 2019, fresh. Okay. 88 years though. He gave it a great run. No long complaints. Run. That's fresh. a long run. How much of that was in prison? Not as much as you'd think. But based on his not exploits, enough. yeah, well, not, not as much as you, not not as much as you might think. Have. But uh, um. I just think it's got a lot of great characters, and I like characters, and I want to be entertained. 
So I'm going to say it holds up because it's entertaining and it moves quickly for being a long movie. And I'm always left wanting like a little bit more. I'm like, oh man, let's get the story going. Let's keep this story going somewhere else. If you just don't worry about the historical reality, the truths that are trying to be created as fact here in this film. It's all bullshit. It's not real, but it's good entertainment. So if you know that and you're hearing me say that, then it holds up. It does. (laughs) Well, you know, I... We'd, we'd be remiss to not at least talk, try to talk a little bit about the legendary Ridley Scott. And he's, especially since maybe Black Hawk Down, he's been really hit or miss for me. I think this is clearly the best Ridley Scott film since 2001's Prometheus. That's, oh, that's correct. <laughs> I, uh, I'm also laughing, not to interrupt, I'm sorry, but I'm so sure that you're going to say, we got to talk about the legendary John Hawks because we didn't mention him at all. I'm like, yes, of course, John Hawks. But, I uh, thought you mentioned him, so we at least John got him Hawks. on the right. So true, Ridley. But I mean, well, I mean, I don't have that much to say anyway. Just because the past twenty years have been unacceptable. But you know, I love Ridley Scott, and we're talking about a filmmaker who, in this film especially, he's he's basically trying to do the Cindy Lumet, uh, Friedkin French Connection story, your seventies crime story, and this is a filmmaker who came right after, literally that generation of filmmakers who completely twisted the tables and like, he's just music video commercial filmmaker. I, I, you know, I give him credit for his effort here. Uh, He makes a movie that's entertaining. So I, we talk about the bathroom test. Did I hit pause when I went to the bathroom? Absolutely. Uh, Like all, all like three times. So (laughs) I wanted, I I didn't want to miss anything. So if you can say that, uh, I think that's saying a lot, you've got a fucking great performance by, Josh Brolin, who in 2007, like, came out of nowhere. We're like, that, that fucking the, the dude from uh, Thrashing? Like, he, he's incredible. And he's going up against these heavy hitters like he's been in the game all that time. Uh, so, yeah, you can't downplay that. And the script is solid, man. The, you talk about how drugs are running the country in the early 70s. And I think Richie, is, he says specifically that you stop bringing dope in and 100,000 people are out of a job. <laughs> so it's this cyclical machine in yeah. America. And I don't know if they get into it enough for this film, but I like what they're playing with here. And um, they flirt a little bit with how big of a fucking joke the narcotics bureau is. You had fucking Elvis, an honorary deputy, one of the biggest drug addicts in the entertainment industry. Uh, so you've got stuff like this that keeps me interested. I find the movie really entertaining and fun to watch, even if it's got tired cliches from start to finish. It holds up for me. Everything relates to Sopranos because there's a guy in Sopranos who dies on the toilet. Tired Just cliches, like Elvis. it holds up for me. <laughs> Yes. Tire yeah. cliches. It still up. holds up. That's it's a testament to the movie. No, yeah, it is. Right. It's entertaining, man. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I kind of figured I'd be in the minority in this one. It's all good. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, <laughs> things. But join us next week. Come on. Uh, we got a note from Chad Gibbons. Yeah, Facebook well, Live is playing the we podcast. Also like Levine. I, wonder, I hope this is just for you, Chad, because he's saying that it's playing yeah. us at like three quarters speed and we all saw like we're all Ukraine all, internet. What the hell's going on over there? I'd podcast me. I'd podcast it holds me up. so hard. <laughs> oh, you're counting it out here. Are you crazy? Uh, yeah, there it is. It's fun. Put the he DVD likes it, in so. the basket. <laughs> <laughs> he likes it. And Aaron says Canadian bacon is absurd. So, so. There it is. American Gangster holds up two to one. Uh, interesting film. It's got a lot going on. I like how you 
hit None on some of those points. Happened. We've been over that. <laughs> yeah, but we. I, I'm already regretting it. I feel like we got too caught up in it now. Even though the show's not even over, maybe. I regret that maybe we got a little. And I'm part. I'm totally responsible yeah. for that too. Like, but caught up yeah, in yeah. The, the the fact that it's the historical yeah, accurate. because yeah, we, we do need to set that aside. I mean, like it's it, it's just a movie. We're no, not, because what he said is true. The the drug record. reality is all true. The the cyclical nature of it and the repetitive routine over and over again, the methods and how they go through governments that fail and governments that take advantage of other countries. Drugs flow in freely through here and there's never going to stop. And then they have a hypocritical stance in public while they do other bullshit private. You're right, Eric. All that's we could talk about that more. I got too caught up in the goddamn historical. They should have just not done that, you assholes. It, it would have been better had they, I mean like it would have been better. Yeah. It would have been better, yeah. Anyways, hey, every show's a learning experience for me. I, I always learn something and uh, try to get better. So there you go, folks. American Gangster, 2007 film directed by Ridley Scott, starring Denzel Washington, Russell Crowe, and a host, a big host of other people. Enjoy it, and don't forget, don't forget the dairy farmers. You know, it's very important. <laughs> don't forget the dairy farmers, folks. Next week, uh, we got Aaron Morley on the show. He's going to be live and uncensored and in our face. He's an intense dude. He doesn't fuck around. Takes no prisoner's attitude. He might yell at somebody on the show. It's very possible. Mm. However... He has chosen his film. Next right. week's movie. Uh, Aaron, are you live? Do you want to type it in the live chat to reveal what next week's movie will be? Yeah, if you're with us. Uh, yeah. if, you're, if you're with us, move the little thingy to the yes side of the Ouija board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're controlling the Ouija board, Aaron. What will be next week's planchette? That's what it's called. Does it hold up? Because I'm looking forward to finding out. Aaron knows as much about movies as a lot of people. He's a big movie fan. Oh, yeah. Although he's, he's not good with directors. He doesn't know directors at all. So don't he never knows who's he's really controlling really great with eighties trash horror. I mean maybe, oh, yeah. maybe, the, maybe the the most knowledgeable about eighties trash horror of anyone I know. Really, really good at that stuff. <laughs> he is. I would never ever question that. He's fantastic <laughs> at that. Uh there it is. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. Brotherhood oh of God. the Wolf. I have thought about using this movie wow. a few times myself. I'm glad that it's been chosen. What the fuck? <laughs> kind of uh, shocked me now. La Lupta something. I forget what it's. La Lupta Fratern something. <laughs> Brotherhood I've of never, the Wolf. You never I've heard never of it? It's this. a French film with Mark Descascos and uh, uh, Vincent. Oh, what's it? Not. I always forget his name. Uh, not Carthizer. Anyways, the French Vincent, who's in all of the fucking. Um, anyway, he's in Eastern Promises. You guys with me on this? Cassell? Oh, yeah. He's yeah, in uh, Ocean's yeah. 12. Yeah, Vincent Cassell. So it's Vincent Cassell, Mark Descascos, and some Frenchman who I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was a pretty big deal when it came out. Good French movie. Or, you know, I thought it was a good French movie then. We'll see if I think so next week. Ooh, it's pretty wild. To... It's a pretty wild film. I think you're already telling your hand, but we'll find out. Well, I, like, I mean, I can already tell you. Like, I, I liked it then. I don't know if I'll I've never seen that. this movie. Uh, I've heard about it. I've never seen the film. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. All right. All right. People seem to like it. Positive returns on this. Next week, we'll do Brotherhood of the Wolf live with Aaron Worley. And don't forget to follow us everywhere. And it's not, you, know, you typed it wrong. We already said cassette, not cassette. So, uh, cassette tapes. Of course Vincent we do. It's an tape. E, though. Vincent, Vincent Cassette, cassette tape. tape. Hector <laughs> Cassette Tape. From Detroit. Yes. So next week, we'll do it live. Brotherhood of the Wolf. You want to watch it? Watch it before we do the show next week, Thursday. We is always go on live at about anywhere between... Is it streaming? Yeah, who knows? I'm sure <laughs> we'll find it. Between 7 and 7.15 p.m. Thursday evenings. We're here for you. We love movies. We love doing the show. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your August week. And uh, I will see you soon, right? Yeah.
I'm looking up to see if it's streaming anywhere.